re 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 ready check monday wednesday friday yeah you know it's a go okay i see they going off but we going to rewrite it though that's right monday wednesday friday yeah you know it's a go okay i see they going off but we going to rewrite it though that's right monday wednesday friday yeah you know it's a go okay i see they going off but we going to rewrite it though i said monday wednesday friday yeah you know it's a go okay i see they going off but we going to rewrite it though Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Rewriters Room. We are, as you know, the infamous men with the pen. I am one third of this incredible trio. They call me the Brock Lesnar of broadcasting. They call me the Paul Heyman of podcasting. They call me the John Cena of journalism. They call me the Roman Reigns of rhetoric. Actually, I call myself that, but I'm looking forward to when it sticks. And y'all will be saying it with me when you're listening to the recording of this. But... For now, you can just call me Armand Sadler. I am here with my incredible uh, tag team, as as always. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What's good to CC, the best rapper and producer in the whole wide world, God body, because I consume healthy products and do tile curls, benevolent servants of the earth, and this everything. I fucked that up. Philanthropist. <laughs> and every phrase that I say is the gym like amethyst. You could put any nigga next to me. Dope-ass women. Gonna be chilling. You know what I mean? Motherfucking quarter roll down the way. Some guy comes pick it up. Oh, excuse me, ladies. They're like, nigga, why are you picking up a quarter? And it's like, oh, I need to go to a payphone. Payphone? What the fuck is a payphone? These are Gen Z kids. They don't know what's going on. They're like, yo, whose man's is this? I could tell them it's <laughs> not me. I may talk a lot, but I only got one thing to say. Love yourself and keep going. You out of the world, so give all you can. Take care of your body and your land. Where the hell is my nigga Chan? What's going on? What's going on? Grandpa Chan reporting live for the mid-card. You know, mid-card mafia. Uh, we're back. We're so back that you know the the women even getting a mid card now. You know we're just it's just it's a it's a new era. It's a brave new world we're in, and um, savvy to be here. You know? This is actually a very exciting time for uh, the mid card, and we can get into that a little later when we get into our pre write. Mm-hmm. But first, we got to start off with our Patreon segment. So for all of our Patreon subscribers, as you know, we've got a fun before we write trivia game coming and some random questions. And discussion. So first, I want to start off with this: is I just saw this tweet, and I've got two two men who, while they're great wrestling minds, they're also great music minds. I would like to say, and this tweet seems like it's going to cause a lot of contention. I'm not checking the quotes now, but I'm sure they're going crazy. And this tweet is related to none other than Drake, who always gets the people going. So uh, someone tweeted: Drake has five classics with uh, multiple question marks. It seems like he did not agree with that notion, fellas. How many classic albums do you feel Drake has? I gotta say, like at minimum, I'm gonna say like two at minimum. Okay. Depending on how old you are, I think you can add more to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, like I think you can't, you can't debate "Take Care," and to me, you can't debate "Nothing Was the Same." Mm-hmm. Like I personally would include like "What a Time to Be Alive." That's because I was in college. Like I don't, I don't know if that hits for everybody, but y'all know Ooh. that. That, that that energy rang out when he was at a party. So Special like, there's stuff time. like that where it's like, you know, maybe some like I love uh, Dark Lane demo tapes, you know. So I would say at least two, you know, depending on who you ask. Um, yeah, uh, two. Because the only reason why he doesn't have more is because he likes twenty songs an album. Yeah, 
<laughs> like, you know, and, you know, some people have done it. It's really like a feat to be able to do it. Like not a lot of people have done it, but it's very hard to get off 20 songs and to feel like from start to finish, like, or even feel like amongst the 20 songs, like I got a good enough amount out of what I got to be like, okay, this is like really great or whatever. But yeah, no, I would just say, I would just say too, if I was to ease in like a three personally for me, that third one would be if you're reading this, because that nigga that nigga was stupid. Yeah. That was if you're reading this was the moment where he like looked around and was like, oh, there's no one else up here with me. Mm-hmm. That was that moment yeah. because that was the first thing he really he released. And it was like, wait, what do we call this? Like an album or a mixtape? And from that moment on, he was just like, nigga, if I'm giving y'all music, just take it. I don't care. Yeah. I'll call it the playlist. I'll call it that. And y'all niggas gonna listen. And they did. <laughs> yeah. so, I will say to the CC's point that like between probably views and more life there is a classic album in there but it's like sandwiched with like five other songs like if you took the best <laughs> yeah, 10 songs on true. views that is a classic album like if you took just like one day like just took those songs out you have a classic album and same with like more life like you could pick 12 songs and be like yeah this is like a classic album but it's just there's 14 other songs and he lucky he had, well he's not lucky like he's been able the other thing is like yeah i feel that that same thing like the later half of his career this last six years has just been like a combination of like there's like all these songs that like you know are kind of good or whatever and then like you know a handful of these songs that are like amazing but they're like spread out or whatever um so that's just kind of it like you know you look at views or whatever and it's like a lot of people like to talk a lot about that album, or whatever. But the one thing that's not debatable at all that everyone understands is that Feel No Ways is like one of the greatest songs. Yeah. To like me. Yes. I, I try. <laughs> oh. There's <laughs> more to life. Like, Yo, this shit is crazy. <laughs> There's more to life than sleeping in and getting high with you. Like when, <laughs> when that line dropped in the spring of 2016, when I'm in my off-campus apartment, <laughs> think, thinking about how it really is more to life than sleeping <laughs> in and getting high with a certain person. I'm just like, damn, Drake. Like, how, like you cold. cold. You cold. Yeah, man. Um, I, I think that I would agree with y'all. Like, in terms of getting a general consensus among people, Take Care and Nothing's the Same, I think, will always be the ones that everyone agrees with. I see a lot of people say, so far, gone. And I think because that that's so his first, yeah, yeah, that's so influential in in, in introducing the larger point, world yeah. to him. Like I feel that I think I think a lot of times we do conflate classic and influential, though. Like true, I, like I'd go so far gone as more influential than classic because I think he got better at his formula with take care and nothing was the same. Sure. I, th- I would also agree if you're reading this just because the way that dropped in college, like Chan, you, I, I think I think you went to BSC that year. Where we, yeah. we we just played that on the bus the entire ride down there to Yale, like the Any entire moments? time, over and over <laughs> and over. I, I I think you had the kickback where we played. We had like a oh, yeah. listening party for it too. I taunted it. Like, <laughs> it like the that was just such a crazy time. I think like I think other people may not agree, but just for me personally, I would probably say that's a classic as well. So I, I've got those three views again. Views very influential classic. It's 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 hard. It's 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 really hard for me to say. And I agree, he got a lot more indulgent as he got later into his career, which I I applaud. He tries to appeal to a lot of different people, yeah. but you know, I think a huge metric for people of a classic album is it being focused, it being not necessarily concise, but like firing at a high clip. And that the, there is a good amount of fat you can trim from views. So 
Um, I would I would agree with that. But just a cool question I want to ask to get the wheels turning in our minds. Um, our next question: What is the most random wrestling match that you love? You might feel like it's a classic or influential, but you feel like people just never talk about it. This is like, I don't even know. If, like, I, I, this is, it was a massive moment. And I think what happens is the moment overshadows the match and even the lead up to the match. But I really love Survivor Series. I believe it's 2005. Yeah, where it's like, that's the one where you had like, Big Show and Kane, and they were mm. just wrecking the SmackDown roster against like Batista and stuff. Yeah, and then that's the year Randy's a sole survivor, mm. and like it's him and Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels eliminates like JBL. It's a really like fun match, but the end moment is Randy's sole survivor. Everyone's cheering, and then Undertaker returns, burning casket. It's like that's all. That's obviously seared into everyone's mind because that was such an iconic moment. But like that match was really fun for me, and I I really I just love like matches like that where it's like. Survivor Series, and it's just these random teams of like all half main eventers and like some random mid Carter with them. Like, like Chris Masters and Carlito were also in that match because like Randy Orton and Shawn Michaels and the thing. Like, it's like, and Bobby Lashley. Yeah. I think Ray Mysterio was on that team too. It was oh, yeah. Ray, Ray, JBL, Batista, Lashley, and Lashley. That's a crazy yep. team. Crazy That's a fire right? team. Against Carlito and Chris Masters. Like, why are they on <laughs> But it's just so it was a really fun match. So I really, I really. They had the rocket on Carlito, bro. Like that's, I, I think that's something I'm always gonna remember as a kid. Like <laughs> his first night on SmackDown, he beat John Cena. His first night on Raw, he beat Shelton Benjamin for the Intercontinental Title. Like the 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 fucking rocket was on his back. But Spin I agree, face, man. I, I actually watched that match recently. I was like, yeah, this is a really good match. Like like everything around it was was bigger, and some moments were sloppy. But it was like you said, it was a yeah. fun match, a really fun match. Uh, Cece, how about you, bro? This is like hella random. It's very, very random. It's not one match in particular, but it's just like this person's wrestling matches I hear like are not really talked about a lot. Like you hear this person brought up and they're like, oh, yeah, they were good or blah, blah, blah. But they're never the person that people are just like, this is my favorite wrestler or something like that. If you go back and you look in the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, 2004, like around that time, even maybe as early back as 2001, but definitely around like the 2002 era or whatever. Um, somebody who like would put on a solid match to the point to where you're following the story easily and they consistently did it, which is what makes to me makes you a great, a really good wrestler or whatever. Hardcore Holly, like oh, hardcore Holly had oh, this nice. thing, like he could like be plugged into a match and yeah. like you know, he's not gonna fuck it up. Whatever story needs to be told, if he needs to like if he needs to be the one taking like the big finish, he's gonna sell it or whatever. If he needs to punish a guy, he's gonna fucking beat the fuck out of the guy. If he needs to take the fucking punishment, he's gonna let them beat the shit out of him. Like he's one of those guys. Like, and then also on top of that, like the actual wrestling, like he was clean and smooth. He's nice. He was just one of those oh, yeah. guys, like as that a kid. I was like, you know, it'd be interesting to like see if he like got the you know the title only like, had a run one time, or whatever. But I just remember like thinking he even back then, I was like, this is clean. Like, he's going up to hit a drop kick. That shit is clean. Yeah. He's going up to go off the ropes. Like, he's doing this. It's clean. He's pretty quick. You know, so, yeah, he, he was one for me. Like, You know what's funny about oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Hardcore Holly? I know, like, of course, you know, Midcar Mafia, one of my faves, <laughs> you know, love his moves. But, like, I'm sure he, like, looks at, like, the era. We're going to look at, like, 2011-ish WWE and seeing guys like Sheamus and Dolph get world title runs. He's like, I'm 
I was like 10 years too early. Like <laughs> that, that would have been, cause like you said, all his matches was fire. He would, if it was like, you know, a triple threat, random number one contenders match, he's always in it, you know, always in the hardcore tag, I mean, title division. So like, he's that like Seamus are in Dolph for those kind of guys where it's like, just you can count on them. If they got to be in a tag, they could be in a tag. If they got to be by themselves, they can do it. But like, just for whatever reason, in 2011, there was no one else on the roster. So Seamus <laughs> and Dolph got to be world champions and Hardcore Holly was there with like the Rob Triple H. And it just yeah, never, bro. like, just never hit for him. You know? Literally everyone on the car was more popular than him at all times. Yeah. Like, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think his only singles world title match was against Brock Lesnar. <laughs> At the Royal yeah. Rumble in 2004, and like, granted, like it was, it, it was a good blood feud. Like Brock yeah. broke his neck like a year prior. Harko Holly came back, like he was fired up. I was like, oh shit! Like th- there was no moment where I doubted Brock was was gonna Never. win. Never. Like, <laughs> it was like, oh wow! Like they they actually got a good feud out of this. Like, and you. and you know, but by that point, like they probably could have done without Harko Holly, and he actually stuck around for a while longer. He was a world tag team champion with Cody Rhodes in, like, 2008. Like, it's, it's – Harko's got a, a fascinating mm-hmm. career. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, my picks. One, Shield versus New Day opened Survivor Series 2017. Fantastic match. I don't know if I'm in my own bubble and, like, people don't talk about that match, but, like, it was really good coming off the Shield reuniting. Roman had that that virus, because so he had to miss the TLC match they had with Braun and Sheamus and – Cesaro and Miz and Kane was on that team too. So like them coming back together, New Day was leading SmackDown, putting Raw under siege. And like the match itself was fantastic. And these are two of the greatest factions ever going at it. I just feel like people don't talk about that one enough. So really weird. Uh, my second pick this is kind of burying the lead for what our rewrite will be later. But the finals of the 2011 WWE Championship Tournament, Rey Mysterio versus The Miz, that they had a 13-minute match, but it was a banger. And I really enjoyed it because – Miz is typically not the bigger man in his matches, so he fights a very finesse, dirty style. But him being much bigger than Rey Mysterio allowed him to kind of be a powerhouse and and like really bully Rey. And you know, I I think I think we give yeah, Rey. <laughs> bully Rey. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I think we give Miz his credit now for his in-ring work. Like, 2011, he was still a little green, but he was young, and they had a lot invested in him. But, like, he actually wrestled a really good match and showed he could do different styles there. So I would say go out of your way to watch that match. We're going to be talking about it in the rewrite anyway, so there will be some context there. But um, cool. Now, let's jump into our Before We Write trivia segment. I will be asking the questions today. Uh, Chan is in the lead in all of our trivia games. I think he's got four wins. I've got one. Uh, CC doesn't have any currently, but today could be the day. And so for our Patreon subscribers, um, actually for the public as well, you're going to get the first question. If you want the full segment, you got to subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash CA show RNC. So let's get into this very first question about a certain luchador. So who did Rey Mysterio win his first tag team championship with in WWE? Andy Guerrero. Wrong. No, uh, 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 was it Conan? It was Edge Channing. Good job. It was Edge. Oh, wait, you said it. Well, wait, I was thinking WCW. What the <laughs> my bad? I just, oh, I just said a whole nigga yeah. who wasn't even in the company. Wow. Let's go, public listeners. So, if you are not subscribed to the Patreon, then you did hear our first question, but you also missed some very fun uh questions that I asked the guys talking about Drake and talking about random matches that we love, and of course, the full Before We Write segment. So, if you're not subscribed to the Patreon, patreon.com backslash The A Show, R-N-C. And you can also get bonus content from The A Show, from The War Report, Invasion Diaries, X8 Diaries, Neil's got some more diaries coming. Um, You can answer our question of the week, 
a bunch of other things. If you're not subscribed to that Patreon, I, I, I don't really know what you're doing with yourself. So we're here. Let's jump into our pre-write. I'm going to start because I am experiencing a mix of emotions. So I didn't get to watch uh, SmackDown Live. <laughs> SmackDown Live, funny. Um, I actually I actually went to go see Nope, and oh. I was... Um, Wait, I, real quick, just like real short. You don't got to give no spoilers. How would you think? I was entertained by it. I'm still figuring out what the plot meant, though. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Um, but I found myself <laughs> equally confused by Nope as I was with what I saw when I checked Twitter <laughs> at the end of SmackDown on Friday night because I saw a face that I haven't seen in a little while and that I didn't expect to see back jumping my Scottish king, Drew McIntyre, as Drew is engaged in a verbal jousting with Roman Reigns. Karrion Cross and Scarlett are back. We know Triple H loved Karrion Cross. Someone in the Discord described it as like Triple H's wet dream. Like Karrion's got all the bondage and the masks, and he he, he kind of looks like a knight. Like Triple H loved that that that, that knight like attire mm. and stuff. And yeah. Karrion kind of looked like that when he was in the Eve. We know H loved him. He got the title fast as hell in his first run. Got hurt, came back, got the title not as fast, but like they had him beat Finn at NXT Takeover, standing the limit. Triple H clearly loves that man, and Karrion's back. Now, I think it obviously bolsters the SmackDown roster, whether you like him or not. SmackDown needs good heels. Sheamus is great. Don't get me wrong. Sheamus is kind of like a good hand, though. Like, the gap between Roman and Sheamus as heels on SmackDown is pretty large. Karrion just being generally disliked and the positions that he's put in is, is a good, you know, second heel on SmackDown. I'm going to choose to be Team Lipo as we are on, on the A-Show Network. I'm, I'm going to let it play out. Do I love it? No. If Karrion's the one who takes the pin and Drew's champion, then I'll, I'll be perfectly fine. I, I just need Drew to, to become champion. It's really it. So hopefully Karrion doesn't, you know, hinder that. But I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to – I trust Triple H. He's done really well so far in his, in his time, you know, at the helm. I, I, I don't love this move, but – like I said, I'm choosing to be lightbow about it. What did I tell you Hunter was going to do? What, what did I say? One thing Triple H is going to do is get himself over. You know, you know that, bro. That is what he does. I saw, I was like, of course. It, like, it didn't surprise me at all. I was honestly more surprised that they did it this early and didn't wait until after the Drew thing was resolved. But I was like, of course he's in the main event. Of course if he comes. Like, Triple H has his people. And as you've seen, and it's funny, the memes on Twitter, but if you look at every single man, Ricochet, Shane O'Be- like, this is Triple H has his people, and at least at first he's going to get them over. Like, that's just what he's going to do. So I'm sure, you know, and you see the reports, I don't know if it's really not about them wanting to split the titles up. Karrion, Cody, they're going to be up there, bro. Just It's just, it's going to happen. And you just got to just make peace with it. And like you said, I like the entrance carrying as a person. I don't really care for it, so I'm kind of middling on it. And so, but it's like it was going. It was. It was. There was no reality where in which it would happen. Just wait till Randy Orton comes back. See what happens then. Like just wait till Randall comes back and see if we don't have an 800 day world champion. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm like you, lipo, but not surprised, boys. We can move on. I don't want to talk about Karen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet Bordeaux is really hot. So oh, woo. Hey, hey, hey. I got no problem with her. Kind of yeah. Her, her, hair, her hair looked a little crazy. I don't, I don't know yeah, about that look. 
try something else. Maybe like I don't know, but that that wasn't giving. But everything else, fantastic. Yeah. Um, CC, what you got for your pre writing, my guy? Man, look, you know, since we're talking about Triple H, I was I was thinking about something um, when it comes to the E and how Triple H is going to book things. But it wasn't just about that. You know, he was talking about taking the company to to the heights or whatever. And if you look at any video of him talking about it, like, I don't know, like I've worked for, you know, a couple. I've, I've had the fortunate pleasure of like being close to the person running the company or whatever when I've like had jobs and stuff a few times. And you can clearly see like when a company is going to go somewhere or whatever based on how excited that person that person is about what they're doing. And when that person is geeked up, they start talking a certain way. I saw Triple H talking that way. And then I thought about like what Triple H's experience with wrestling was. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have a prediction about wrestling that is not just due to Triple H, but also everyone who's also around wrestling uh, in the time, not even the people just in the E or whatever. But, you know, if you think back to like the 90s and whatnot, even the 80s or whatever, like wrestling like had like sort of a grip on certain people and it was like super duper popular. And it was like very integrated into like popular culture or whatever, like multiple people knew like references and whatnot. Everyone knew who Stone Cold and The Rock were. Um, like that was a thing. Um, and I think the main thing when I think about that is like, oh, when Triple H was like at one of his heights during his career, this being DX and stuff like that. One of the things he was able to tap into was how to get the the people who are in that like really coveted uh, demo, that 18 to 25 or whatever. But the popular part of that crowd, like the everyday person or whatever, how to get them interested in this product that's like actually really niche so i think one of the things that we're going to see over the next like three to five years is like wrestling go from this thing to where like yes it's like big and like yes the wwe universe is big it's expanded its fan base and whatnot but like it's gonna go back to that thing to where like oh like the rest of popular culture also knows about this and it's kind of in tune with this as it's going on they know roman reigns they know like people like you can just reference that to like random people like the same way we like every one of our generation just knows like certain wrestlers and like we didn't have to talk about how much we watched it or not or whatever like it's gonna i think there's a chance for that to happen or whatever and honestly when you look at uh, between NXT and who's on WWE or whatever, a lot of people are already doing things like that or whatever right now. Like Xavier Woods with up, up, down, down. Like he's done all the work that you need to be done. The foundation's laid. You just carry that into the, the rest of the gaming community. You know what I mean? And Roman with him going on TV shows and stuff like that, you have your face that you could put in different parts of media and stuff like that. Same thing with Bianca and whatnot. Like you have all these people that you can use in all these different ways. Um, so yeah, I think we're right for seeing like WWE become like a part of popular culture. Like not to say that it's not like a part of pop popular culture now or whatever, but like, I mean, to the point where it's regular and people just like know about it without even knowing how they know about it. They just know about it. I think part of that too, um, and I'm not take too long, but it's just like, like you said, I think what, what WWE really needs is like a, cause wrestler who is into the mainstream, who's like an actor but is also cool because I think mm -hmm. the one, the, as I love John Cena, wrestling fans love John Cena, but John Cena's character in wrestling isn't like the coolest guy. Like he wears like shorts and stuff. Whereas, like you said, with the Stone Cold, with the Rock, like that, the Rock is just cool. Like you can see pictures of the Rock from 1990, smacking you like, this is the coolest person on earth. Like this guy is like, he got a leopard silk shirt up and 
like sunglasses inside. It's probably 9.30 at night. Like, that's the coolest guy on the planet. And so I think, yeah, someone like a Roman or a Bianca, whose character is cool, who, like, they just have a certain type of, like, if you watch a wrestling match and you see, like, I remember I posted the video of when Roman caught that mic from Brock. And the amount of non-wrestling fans who comment, like, who is that? It's like, <laughs> it's like that's, that's, it sounds like kind of simple, but that's what you need. Whereas, like, John Cena is, like, a cool guy. He's a good actor, but, you know, he's not super, like, cool. And then Batista doesn't really wrestle anymore, so he doesn't really appeal to that. But I think someone like Roman or Bianca who was, like, held on to the wrestling stuff, but it was also just cool. Like, all it takes is Bianca to be in, like, one Black Girl Magic Beyonce music video. <laughs> bro. One Fenty commercial, bro. That's bro. all we need. That's my girl had to see her on TV like maybe one or two times tops or whatever. And like she's like, where is she gonna be there? When is she gonna be on it? Tell right. me when she's gonna be on it. Like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Chan, how about you, man? Um, kind of similar to what um you were saying. I I do think it was funny you talking about how Triple H like nights. I was gonna take it, he just likes the dark and occult. I think it's because he was in Blade 3. I think he just has a soft spot in his heart for that. An amazing – I'm sorry. I'll stand by that fucking movie. Blade trilogy. <laughs> I love that movie. I love Wesley Snipes, and you will, I will not hear one false word about a single Blade movie. I simply won't. That was one of my first black superheroes, and I won't stand for it. Um, but, yeah, uh, similarly, Karen Cross, uh, Shannon Baszler's getting heated back up. It's my girl, submission magician, you know. Oh, what have she, I been saying on the show – for like the last year and a half. Yeah, you've been why, calling why, that. Yeah. why has she not had a solo women's title match? Thank you, Triple H. He, yeah. he gives and he takes. <laughs> <laughs> he gives and he takes. He's, he's a complicated guy. But yeah, it's like, it, it sounds bad, but like, you have Ronda Rousey, who's incredibly popular, but like, that menacing factor, if you're looking for that, Shayna Baszler is mm-hmm. that. Like, Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. I look at Shayna Baszler as, and, and no bullshit. She's intimidating. Like, she looks scary like and it's like that's the type of threat where i see Liv morgan as a baby face if you want her to get over as like an underdog like she defeated this monster it's got to be Shayna because like people don't really like ronda rousey because of like the extra stuff but it's not as if like she has this heat because like she's just so mean and people are so afraid of her it's just like no i just know she can actually fight where mm-hmm. Shayna baszler like from the gear to the eye makeup to the presentation to the move set it's all very menacing intimidating like heating her back up to how she was elimination chamber I think it's just such a great idea, and I just love that for the women's division. Like I said, just for wrestling in general, I think you need good, strong heels. Shayna Baszler, I think, is a perfect heel. Like I just, I'm super happy that she's back in the spot. Turn that, turn that elimination chamber, Shayna, the fuck up. Yes, man. come on, <laughs> turn bro. that shit up. Come on, she bit, she bit Becky's neck. She, she, everybody in that elimination chamber, including Liv, wallet, including Long Liv. She put Liv to sleep. Yeah, he I, did. I hope that they call back to that. I, I really hope they call amazing. back. It's like, hey, Liv, like, I'm getting this title off you at class. You, I put you yeah. to sleep before. Like, it's and it's she gonna, talks like that. That's that's how she talks. She's like, Liv, I'm not afraid of you. Like, she'll yeah, just say, like, I'm not scared of you, Liv. Like, she, she'll say, I'm gonna take your title and one of your limbs. You pick which yeah. one, and I'm gonna take it. I, on, I'm bro. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Let's jump into this free write. Um, so. Oh, man, we are at a very interesting crossroads with the Street Profits. They lost once again to the Usos at SummerSlam. Montez Ford lost a singles match to Seth Rollins and hit a uh, and was beat up after the match as well. Now, the prevailing thought is that Montez is going to be the one to turn. I think that they're going to pull an okie doke on us and have Dawkins be the one who turns. However, I also would enjoy if they kind of just like naturally split up through the draft 
and didn't have to do a breakup angle with them, would it be fire? Of course. I think Dawkins would be an amazing heel, and I think it would help Montez as a babyface. So, Cece, I want to ask you, if you're presented with splitting up the Street Profits and having either doing like a tense breakup angle or just splitting them up through the draft, which one would you go with? Um, You know, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Batista, Triple H, Randy. <laughs> you know. It goes um, on way. <laughs> Edge, Rey Mysterio, Edge and Batista. There's just like Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker and everyone really. Um, Brock and even The Rock is something I'd love to see we go mm. back to. But there's just certain, you know, people, you know, couples in the WWE who have history or whatever. And because they have history, you can use that almost at any time. And we're seeing it now with Seth and Roman, you know, you can, you see how they t- like literally almost any time, like we just saw it. Seth was just like, all right, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Roman and everybody's like, yeah, because anytime those two are going for it at high stakes, we want to see it. I personally believe that Dawkins has everything that it takes to sit on the main roster for years and years and years slash get called up and be that person if he needs to be at his very worst. He's a Seamus, you know, at his worst, I think. Um, I don't think there's a huge, uh, like large, crazy gap between him and Tez or whatever. That being said, because of that, um, I think like what you do is you protect both of them and have them split up in the draft or whatever. Right. And then. What you do is you just send them on different paths, you know, and then like maybe one wins a a little bit more than they lose and one loses a little bit more than they wins. And then like Survivor Series is when they meet back up again because they haven't been on the same brand (laughs) or whatever. Um, And then like they meet back up again and, you know, the one is in a situation where the other one like really needs help or whatever. And I would love for it to be Dawkins. Like maybe Tez needs help. Dawkins comes out. You think he's going to help him. Boom. That's where you do the turn. And it's just like, so you have this thing to where it's just like, you guys got split up. And then like the next time you saw each other, like wasn't cool. So like the first thing you have to do is get to the bottom of like, where, where did that even come from? You know what I mean? Like it gives you a story to unfold. Like Tez, it's something to figure out. Tez is trying to figure out, Hey, why do you feel this way about me or whatever? And then just like the going back and forth from there is going to create the history that they then build upon and they can come back to time and time again or whatever. So that's how I would do it. I'll have it split or whatever. And then, you know, the give them a little bit of time apart. And then the next time that they saw each other, maybe do one time they see each other and it's just like, hey, how you doing? Checking up or whatever. But like that next time, it looks like one is going to save the other. And really what he does is turn on the other. And then boom, there we go. Uh, yeah, I like that. I think it would be interesting if they both ended up on like opposing Survivor Series teams and like had like a stare down or even you work it into the buildup because like, they haven't really done too many invasion angles uh, the last few. Like, the teams haven't interacted at all, the, the men's 505 teams, which, you know, 2020 COVID, I get it. 2021, ain't it really makes sense. Like, you, they should be back in it. So I think, like, mixing that into the SmackDown versus Raw stuff would be would be dope. So uh, I like that. Uh, Channing, for you, are we going to get multiple months out of this Edge and Judgment Day feud and – are Ray Mysterio and Dom going to stay involved? If they're not, how do you kind of spin them out of it and make it so that Edge is the focus 
going up so, against Finn and Priest and Rhea. In in short, I hope not. Um, <laughs> basically, if where I'm at right now with Edge, love Edge, rated R, superstar, but he's like lost a little bit too much since his return, and it, I just feel like. Not that he needs a win. Like, Edge is Edge. He can lose. But I just feel like for his storyline, if you want to get him back in the world title picture, I feel like he kind of needs a win. Like, he needs a comeback feel where he wins, goes over, and looks good. Similar situation is Finn Balor, I feel like. They're in the same spot where, like, yes, you can warm up Finn Balor and Edge any time, but I just feel like if you want to put either of them in the main event picture, they need to win their next few. It just feels that way. Finn's got his new faction. Edge has come back. And so – if one of them has to lose a feud, I feel like that's not what I where I want things to go. So I would hope that they, it's like a quick thing and they separate, unless we're getting a six-person tag match with Rhea Ripley in it. And like Rhea is wrestling like Edge, Rey Mysterio, and Dominic Mysterio. Because like realistically, Rhea is bigger than Dominic and Rey. So like I get obviously she's a woman, but like Rhea Ripley could powerbomb Rey Mysterio through a table, and I would 100% believe it. Like, that looks like, like you said, Miz is rarely the bigger person against Rey he was. You saw what Rhea did to Dom, put him in that triangle chokehold. Like, you think she can't hit that riptide on Rey Mysterio? Like, you kidding. So, I think that could be a cool kind of thing, too, if she somehow gets to wrestle them. But, like, I would prefer it if Dom uh, was turns on Rey and then he goes heel, and then that's how they get out the feud, and then Dom goes to like NXT or something. And then I would prefer it. If honestly, if Finn won somehow dirtily beat Edge and then Finn gets in either like the US title picture or whatever they're doing in their main event, and then I want Edge to win the Elimination Chamber and win the WWE Championship. I don't think he'll look good with the Universal Championship. So that's how I feel about it. Okay. All right. And for me, this women's tag team tournament that will start on uh, Raw, by the time you guys hear this, they will be, the tournament will have progressed. But uh, it seems very likely that we will see the return of Sasha Banks and Naomi in this women's tag team tournament. So I'm interested in who they should face in the finals. Um, I think that Dewdrop and Nikki deserve a, a moment. I think that they've been really good, like consistently putting on really good matches. I think they're a fun team. I, I, I also feel like this is a cool moment. And I'm curious about with Bailey's new faction, with Io Shirai, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai, whether they're going to push Bailey as the single star fighting for the Raw Women's title or if they're going to push Io. I think there's an opportunity with Io. She's talented enough. She's very well known. People like her. She's a fresh face in that division. Obviously, you can easily go back to Bianca Bailey. We never got their I quit match. But this is also a really good opportunity to introduce someone new to the Raw Women's title division. And then with that, you get a good team of Bailey and Dakota, where Bailey can mentor someone who's new to the main roster and really kind of, you know, groom, groom Dakota, give her moments to shine and kind of have that, that, that veteran rookie tag team dynamic. Uh, Bailey's obviously got history with Sasha Banks. So like whoever wins that, that could spin off into the next woman's tag team title feud. And like, you have more important people in that. You've got a fresh new face in Dakota. You've got Bailey, who's like a three-time women's tag team champion at this point, two-time. Um, yeah. Where like, there are important people there. And it's not just some, a makeshift team of Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, or an Italian Tamina. Like it's actually a team that, that like, was a faction introduced to us and like can come in and you know do what they got to do and i think just whatever they end up doing with sasha banks and naomi like they're in for a very interesting next few months um 
So yeah, I, I think that I would have Bailey and Dakota face them, but I wouldn't mind if it was Dewdrop and Nikki either. So for our, our rewrite, we kind of talked about this guy a bit throughout the uh, the episode so far, but we are rewriting the greatest luchador of all time, the arguably one of the greatest baby faces of all time, one of the most influential wrestlers of all time. And I think when you think about WWE, there are the obvious names that come up. Um, these two are problematic, but a couple of years ago, you would think Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. These days, you might lean more towards a Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, you know, John Cena, Triple H. But I think Rey Mysterio is one of the most rec- recognizable athletes uh, to ever, you know, grace the squared circle, whether it's the mass, whether it's just like his storylines. He's the guy that we always wanted to root for throughout his time as a three-time cruiserweight champion, a four-time tag team champion, I think five-time actually, um, a three-time world champion, two-time world heavyweight, one-time WWE champion. The man entered, uh, I believe it was second, second in the 2006 Royal Rumble. Oh. <laughs> um, 2000, you good. He entered second in the 2006 Royal Rumble and lasted 60-something minutes to, to win it. You know, he won in the main event of WrestleMania, WrestleMania 22. Um, he's given us incredible moments like, you know, the great Kali packing him up, squeezing the life out of him. You know, the stretcher match where Big Show had him on the stretcher and hit him against the pole. Um, he's, he just, he's given us so many incredible moments where we, we've <laughs> wanted to root for him. Um, from This is from early 2000s all the way up to now. He's still doing it now. I do have some interesting takes about Ray. I, I think some people would agree with these. I think some people would be offended, but they'd probably agree later on. Um Granted, his world title runs have all been pretty short, especially one where he won it and lost it in the same night. But much like when Sasha Banks has been, you know, women's champion or much like I'm trying to think of some other baby faces who we wanted to get it and then they got it like and we're just like, eh. Ray's more interesting as someone chasing like his, his his title reigns to me have never really been all that memorable. The ones I remember the most. Ray, Ray had the cruiserweight division on his back in, you know, 2000s, the early 2000s. Like, Ray was a fantastic cruiserweight champion. Great matches with Matt Hardy and Jamie Noble and Billy Kidman and all these guys. As a tag team champion, he's been pretty good, too. You know, he, he had a great run with RVD. He had a great run with Batista. Um, he had um, a great run with, obviously, with Edge. And now, you know, being uh, teamed up with his son, Dom. Like, you know, he's, he's had some fun runs with, with a tag team championship. But, like, think about... His reign as U.S. champion. You probably don't even remember it. <laughs> I don't think about it. Think about his his time as Intercontinental Champion. Granted, he had a great feud with Jericho. Like, when, when they did um, mass versus title, like, that that was a fantastic feud. Um, but Ray has honestly been the most interesting to me as either chasing a big title or being the Cruiserweight or a tag team champion. And I think it's just because, like, you know, to being honest, his size plays a big part of it. Like he, he's the type of guy that you want to root for, but then you, you, you see him with that title. It just looks huge around his waist. Like, like, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're giving you that moment, you know, that they're drawing you in, they're appealing to what people want to see, but ultimately someone bigger than him is going to come and get that title. Of him. You had Kane um, cashing money in the bank on him one night. You had, Chavo screw him for King Booker to win the title. And then, of course, what we're going to talk about later, John Cena winning the WWE title from him the very same night he wins it the first time. Like, it, it's tough to see. But one thing Ray always gave, whether he was winning or losing, was compelling TV. And I think, you know, can't ask for more than that as a, as a fan. But if you guys want to challenge my take, I'll, I'll, I'll 
the, the floor is yours. No, I mean, I think, yeah, it's like anyone with Ray, Ray Mysterio is awesome. Everyone loves Ray Mysterio. Like, I, I think it's hard to find someone who's like, yeah, I just don't like Ray Mysterio. But to your point, it, it, there's only so much suspension of disbelief one can do. And at a certain point, it's like, yeah, Ray Mysterio is really looking like up at Batista. You know, like he's really looking up at some of these challengers and it's like they are fighting. And at a certain point, you know, even a guy like, a, you know, a, a Daniel Bryant is shorter, but is stockier. And Ray's just never been that dude. It's cool. But like, you know, the 619 takes a lot of setup. You got to kind of do a lot to maneuver into the 619. So like it, it, the, the matches do sometimes kind of end very similarly because he has to like do certain things to get into his moves. But like. It, you're never like Ray Mysterio's like on the flip side of that is one of those guys where it's like there's a random like oh Ray Mysterio and Kofi King's gonna have a match tonight it'll bang like Ray Mysterio had that feud with Randy Orton where he was they were doing like TLC matches and the Hell in Cell match bang like they just had he has a bunch of random feuds like you said that bang but when he's putting the main event pictures of a combat sport as Twitter likes to call it um it gets to a point where like oh okay like you're like your son is bigger than you and dom's not no big dude like dom's no you know brock lesnar but he is significantly larger than ray yeah yeah so um the timeline of our rewrite it is 2011 we are just coming off of john cena versus cm punk for the wwe championship at money in the bank 2011 where cm punk defeats john cena and walks out of the wwe with the uh, with there being no world champion, uh, Vince McMahon before he's relieved of his duty schedules a WWE Championship tournament where they will crown a new WWE champion. The finals of that tournament are Rey Mysterio versus The Miz on the July twenty fifth episode of Monday Night Raw. Rey Mysterio defeats The Miz in a thirteen minute match. Alberto Del Rio comes in, tries to cash in. Rey uh, counters that, and Alberto Del Rio goes running. Then Triple H announces midway through the episode, I can do what I want. John Cena is going to face Rey Mysterio for the WWE Championship. John Cena defeats Rey Mysterio for the WWE Championship. And Rey essentially never really gets another chance at the title. They just they completely move back to the John Cena CM Punk story. The CM Punk returns. Um, and um, yeah, so we're going to be rewriting Rey Mysterio's extremely short-lived WWE Championship reign. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right. I have a, I have, I have like, I just feel like, and it might have sounded like I was down on Rey Mysterio, but this really felt unjust. Like when I was like researching it and like looking at it, this was like this was kind of me. Like why did they do this to Rey Mysterio? Like this, it, it felt Bro, me. And so I, I, I do want to. They had like a this. whole champagne shower for him after he won. Like he went back. Like they had the whole locker room yeah. watching the match, and then after the match, they were dousing him with champagne. They interviewed him. They had John Cena shake his hand as one of the people. <laughs> It's just not right. Like it's just so unnecessary. Like why be so mean to him? But anyway, um, I think if you really want to write the wrong, and this is like a context thing that, like, even myself, I was not watching wrestling at this time. So the Alberto Del Rio of it all, why they were so obsessed with him, I simply don't understand. I like you go through these like matches we do on research, and boy was involved. So like whatever reason he was, he was. But he had actually won Money in the Bank that night 2011 yeah. like you said um in a match with ray to win the raw money in the bank match so i think the rewrite starts there is that you let ray win you have him narrowly defeat del rio but you have him win then at SummerSlam, you have him cash in against cm punk who had just been beaten up by nash 
which again leads to the believability of Ray's a smaller guy. He can beat Punk. Cool. Um, next night, I think Cena comes in. He's like, hey, this is my feud. I want a title shot. You know, in my rewrite for the um, you know, vacated title, Cena wins that clean. You don't have to do that to Ray. You can just have Cena beat the Miz in the last one. They have the WrestleMania, they have history. Like you can just have that be the story. And then you go, you know, Ray catches in, whatever. So then he feuds with Cena. Um, and then at Night of Champions, we have John Cena versus Rey Mysterio. Um, Alberto Del Rio comes in and interferes with the match, saying, if I cannot be champion, I'm definitely not going to let John Cena be champion. I was cheated out of my Money in the Bank title match. The next night on Raw, we have a number one contenders match. Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena. The winner will face Rey Mysterio at Hell in a Cell. Um of course, Alberto Del Rio into the chicanery that he is. With help of Ricardo Rodriguez wins. That match becomes the number one contender. Um, over the kind of like you were saying with the Triple H thing, which was kind of funny. He could do whatever he wants. Ray Mysterio goes to Triple H. He says, hey, you know, you've been a world champion, champion, and champion. We'd like to win our matches straight up. I think I should face Del Rio in a Hello Cell match. Keep Ricardo out of it. They have a lot of history. You could easily, you know, build up the thing of like you have these like proud kind of luchadors, Latin heritage, I think. At the time, also, if you look at the rosters, there's like 20 wrestlers, like combined on both shows. So it's like you really can't go much place with it, but I think you have a Hell in a Cell match with um, Ray and Alberto Del Rio. Um, Ray Mysterio wins that match cleanly. Afterwards, Ray approaches, I mean, John Cena approaches Ray again, straight up says, hey, you know I got cheated. You know I deserve to be champion. Um, as I do, can't be that simple. So Ray says, okay, you know, let me talk to Hunter. Hunter says, you know what? I, I like that idea, John, but I can't just give it to you. So you have to win a six-pack challenge with the likes of JTG, Jack Swagger, <laughs> Ezekiel Jackson. What the fuck? Seamus. My guy. Check the books. He was there, people. Gender Mahal. So, of course, John Cena being Super Cena, you know, seeing that he is, he wins a six-pack challenge. And at Avengers 2011. nasty six-pack challenge. Bro, if you look look through the roster and then look who else was tied up in, like, the IC feud, United States feud, there's truly no one. Like, there's Mm -hmm. there's no one there. Like, it's, you could, like, you could throw Christian in and have him kind of spin, like, but there's, the roster is very thin at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think also you had so many matches with Cena Punk about Del Rio because it was the only three, you know, main events or whatever. Um, Vengeance 2011, Rey Mysterio versus John Cena, a classic 20 minute banger. I wanted to work Dom into this match somehow, but I wasn't sure like what he was doing in his life. But the big swing at this match is that as you know, John Cena is about to win, you know, CM Punk's music hits, the crowd goes nuts, John Cena stunned. Oh, toe trip into the ropes. 619. Area code. Frog splash. One, two, three. Setting up Survivor Series 2011, which was uh, CM Punk versus Del Rio. Now you have CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio. CM Punk wins the WWE Championship as he did in real life, setting the timeline back. John Cena at this point was in a tag match with The Rock against The Miz and Our Truth, just to let you know what they're doing at this point in time. So, again, so it wasn't one of my best rewrites, but I was not working with a full cupboard, as they say. But I think the main thing is that you give Ray the respect he deserves. Like, he don't have to be champion for 300 days. He don't have to go through a bunch of, you know, clean victories. But I think giving him at least a victory over Alberto Del Rio and John Cena clean, 
I think you give it the status it needs, let CM Punk take it, do whatever you want to do with it. Ray can go back to, I think he actually leaves the company shortly after that. He like feuds with like Sin Cara and then I think like 2013, 15 as he leaves. But um, yeah, I just think you just kind of extend it a little bit, keep him in that Alberto Del Rio spot and kind of have him be the, that kind of third quasi main eventer. A nice Hell in a Cell match with John Cena or Alberto Del Rio, I think could be really cool. Um, and yeah, you don't let, you don't embarrass Frank Mysterio. Um, I'll do mine next. So, <laughs> some other things that happened uh, on the July 25th episode of Raw, just completely unrelated to my rewrite, but just thought you wanted to know. Uh, Eve Torres twerks before doing a moonsault, and Marista does a stink face to Eve Torres. Fascinating stuff. So, <laughs> my, my rewrite begins um, with the tournament, the vacant WWE Championship tournament that began on July 18th. So Alberto Del Rio, who had just won Money in the Bank, loses his first round matchup to Kofi Kingston. In my rewrite, he wins. Alberto Del Rio, holding the Money in the Bank briefcase, makes it to the finals against uh, Rey Mysterio. Now Alberto Del Rio loses in the finals, attempts to cash in, but then John Cena saves Rey. Cena tells Rey that, you know, hey, man, you're the champion now. I, I respect you, but it's my duty to represent this company. And so I have to invoke my, my rematch clause. So instead of Triple H scheduling the match, John Cena kind of bosses up on Ray, which is crazy because like John and Ray knew each other for a while. You know, that they, they was part of that early SmackDown era together. Like Ray is like kind of like, that's crazy. But, you know, Ray's a fighter. Ray got pride. So he's down to defend his title regardless, even though he, he Ray, Ray, nine times out of ten, getting packed up by John Cena. So Cena versus Ray happens. J- just as Cena is about to win, CM Punk, who walked out, returns to the WWE, beats them both up, holding his title. So now we've kind of got two WWE champions right now. Now, with Ray and Cena out and Punk taunting, Alberto Del Rio comes out, knocks Punk out, cashes in on Rey Mysterio. So now it's CM Punk as WWE champion, Alberto Del Rio as WWE champion. Triple H is about to book the undisputed WWE championship match between Punk and Alberto Del Rio for SummerSlam 2011. But then John Cena comes out and says he never got his fair rematch. Rey Mysterio comes out and says he's also entitled to a rematch. So Triple H books a fatal four-way undisputed WWE Championship elimination match for SummerSlam 2011. Now, fatal four-ways are no DQ, as you remember. So, first, as John Cena is entering the match, CM Punk beats John Cena up, like beats him badly. Real, 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 real bad. Alberto Del Rio helps him. As soon as the bell rings, Punk and Alberto Del Rio eliminate John Cena. They then say, yo, this match was supposed to be us. These guys came in here like real last minute. So they beat Ray up to the point where he has to get stretchered out of the match, leaving Punk versus Alberto Del Rio. Punk is whooping Alberto Del Rio's ass. Looks like, damn, like Punk walked out, came back. He's about to get the title again. Kevin Nash interferes in the match. Instead of beating Punk up after the match, Kevin Nash comes out and Triple H actually sent him this time. So this is like this is like a submission to the race story, but um, submission, submission, <laughs> Um, but anyways, so, <laughs> so Kevin Ash jackknives Punk. Alberto Del Rio pins CM Punk. And then Alberto Del Rio celebrating. But the, the bell never rings. Alberto Del Rio goes to grab the title, comes back to the ring. Ray is back, hits him with the Hurricane Rana, dials up the 619. Ray wins the WWE Championship in the main event of SummerSlam. So he, he gets his moment on all Raw, and then he gets cashed in on. But then he gets a bigger moment at SummerSlam. It's, it's an amazing payoff. Everyone's happy. Masks are selling. Ray Ray has a big celebration the next night, drives in on a low rider, all that. 
So Punk and Nash get into their own feud, which later becomes a Punk Triple H feud. Um, and then Alberto Del Rio comes out the next night during a race celebration, and they feud over the WWE title. They have a singles match at Night of Champions. Ray wins that one clean. Then they have a triple threat Hell in a Cell match with John Cena. Alberto Del Rio wins the triple threat Hell in a Cell match by pinning Rey Mysterio. Ray gets a rematch in a last man standing match at Vengeance. Alberto Del Rio retains because the Miz and R-Truth interfered in the match. So with uh, Ray beefing with the Miz and R-Truth and Cena beefing with the Miz and R-Truth, they engage in a feud with them. But on one night on Raw, Miz and R-Truth just like pack Ray up like crazy and he's hurt. So he can't work with Cena anymore. And that's when Cena ends up picking The Rock for his partner. So in true WWE fashion, while Ray gets a big moment towards the beginning of the story, he ends up in a pack at the end of the story with no world title, and he's gone. That's my rewrite. Sorry, Ray. Damn. <laughs> that was so sad. <laughs> it started out with so much promise. I was hey. like, wow. Hey, man. Like every Ray Mysterio like, Ray. <laughs> As Ray Mysterio is want to do. You're right. DC, bring us home. Um, Let's get fucking crazy, guys. Uh, all right. So we're going to start, you know, with the tournament. Um, and, you know, he ends up, you know, winning the tournament. He does get packed up by Cena that night. But, you know, after he loses to Cena, they shake hands or whatever. Cena leaves the ring. Ray's still moping around or whatever. And you're like, why is he still around the ring? And he just looks like he's really sad and beat up or whatever. And, you know, so then some a couple couple weeks go by or whatever and then they have a rematch or whatever that, uh, against alberto dorito as they they normally did and then he loses that one again and he mopes around the ring just again or whatever and this uh this plays out how it usually does like so like now he has a instead of having a real injury um which he later had um he has a kayfabe injury so he's out for a little bit um you know just for the rest of the year right um royal rumble 2012 pops around or whatever um boom guess who's back you know 619 and everybody blah blah you know it gets to the end of the rumble or whatever um and um we don't we don't really care who's in the end of the rumble because that's that's not even the big deal what happens is at the end of the rumble ray is one of the last people in the rumble or whatever and it looks like he's about to get thrown out and then two two guys in black hoods come and they throw out um the person who's trying to throw ray out or whatever right and then ray wins and then ray looks like kind of confused at first and the two hooded guys like kind of go away and he's like kind of like trying to celebrate but he's confused at the same time um so like on the next like uh raw after um the royal rumble um you know they're you know ray's getting interviewed or whatever and he's you know saying like how happy he is whatever but he also looks confused at the same time he gets asked who the hooded people are or whatever and he's just like i don't know what happened there or whatever um so then like eventually what happens is um at this time i'm gonna uh have alberto dorito like still have the the championship or whatever because he just wants to get his leg back or whatever um so alberto de rio kind of does the same thing that um randy orton had done to him a little while ago which is say like hey like you know you have your title match you know with the champion at wrestlemania that you just won or whatever but 
um, at the next uh, pay-per-view. I think it's like No Way Out, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if they still had it back then. Um, but like, at the next pay-per-view, whatever, um, let's have a match, you know, and you put up your uh, your contendership on the line or whatever, right? So, like, they have that match or whatever. Ray looks like he's about to lose to him again by submission again or whatever. So, for some reason, this match is um, like No DQ or whatever um out on Alberto the Rios part because he thinks he's going to be able to use it uh, to his advantage which he does at one point whatever so you're kind of rooting for Ray and then like it looks like he's about to win by submission again boom two hooded guys count come out again and like you know just crack Alberto the Rio overhead with like chairs and stuff you know they tell Ray to go off and finish him off or whatever Ray's like look I don't want to use the help but at the same time I do want to beat this guy so he goes ahead and beats the guy or whatever 619 to a frog splash or whatever um and he still keeps his contender thing or whatever and they're like yo who are these guys or whatever and we like never really figure it out um this goes on for like a little bit or whatever like you know he'll have a match here and there and, you know, he'll win some and the guys won't come out. But, like, when it looks like he's about to lose, they'll take care of the people and, like, he doesn't know who it is. We get all the way to WrestleMania. He's got the – he's still got Roberto Del Rio to go up against. He has a match. They have a really good match. Looks like he's going to lose again or whatever for a second. Um, and then the hooded guys come out or whatever. Alberto De Rio's already got some people to like work on them, but the hooded guys ended up winning against them. That just all serves as a distraction. Ray Mysterio ends up getting the clean win over Alberto De Rio or whatever. Alberto De Rio looks pissed or whatever. He's not like completely knocked out, or whatever. He looks pissed or whatever. And it looks like he's about to go and attack Ray Mysterio. But then the two hooded guys come up again and they're just like, who are these guys or whatever? Um, and then they like finally take off like their little mask again or whatever. It's Billy Kidman and Rob Van Dam. What? <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> These are two raised tag partners from way back in the past. It turns out that this whole time Ray's tired of playing the nice guy. And he's been having these guys on hand just in case he ever gets into some stuff or whatever to make sure that he wins. And now that he has a championship, they're going to be like basically his two stooges as he goes on to like terrorize the rest of the WWE. So like he goes from like WrestleMania essentially until SummerSlam. I'm going to have him lose that SummerSlam. He goes from like WrestleMania to SummerSlam just like fucking with people who's fucking with him in the past. So like he fucks with Kane a little bit. He fucks with Mark Henry a little bit. A lot of the big guys that, um, that fuck with him in the past like he goes through and he like fucks with those people and he has um like one-off matches here and there he gets out of like the 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 title matches or whatnot um but you know it's like time to pull that card or whatever and good old cena comes back calling around and he just loses it to cena and cena like somehow gets around the distractions from kidman and, and van damme at SummerSlam, and then that's how he loses it but for like a few months you get to see ray mysterio be the boss of a faction and like not playing the nice guy anymore and actually fucking with people so that's my rewrite <laughs> i like it i was i was really interested in where it was gonna go i was like this is dominic gonna be one of the guys in the hoodie like I, 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 but that was dope. That was dope. I, 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 I really thought I would be the first person to work Billy Kidman into a rewrite. And I'm, proud <laughs> I'm really proud of him. That was beautiful. Dude, as soon as I, I was going through race history, as soon as I saw his name, I was like, oh, he's fucking coming back. I'm putting him back. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, those are our rewrites for Rey Mysterio's short-lived, or not so short-lived, 2011 WWE title reign. Again, 
this week. You got free write. You got the free write. And if you are a member of the Patreon, you got some fun conversation about how many classic albums does Drake have and a random match that we all love. Not to mention the Before We Write Trivia segment. If you're not subscribed, patreon.com backslash the A-Show-R-N-C. We are the men with the pen. I'm Armand. That's Cece. That's Chan. We'll be back with you soon. But for now, enjoy this episode. We'll see you